BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. interested and I'm not on tape which I rarely am for obvious reasons uh, being live actually you know is a cop out it's much more of a cop out than being taped a lot of people think taping uh, is a cop out but actually it's the other way around because I find that if you're if you're live you can't hear yourself and therefore you don't have the terrible qualms of conscience which the guy does when he's taped almost every guy I know who's taped walks around and looks embarrassed you know for years he hears himself no i'm very live and and uh let's let us officially say at this juncture now that christmas is almost over and i might uh, say before we go any further that i'm feeling irascible but uh that what happens late christmas day is most people most people feel fat uh is sort of decadent and greasy and kind of rotten and you know, you you do everything too much. You just sort of sit around and look grimly into the middle distance. And I, this is not going to be one of those Robert Benchley type programs talking about how terrible holidays are. They're not. Uh, the holiday itself is a phenomenon. I mean, all holidays. Uh, every every tribe everywhere has the holiday thing. Ever, ever think much about that? The, the whole thing, other than the actual reason for a specific holiday. 
but the fact that holidays exist in all cultures. And there's always one holiday, you see, that's bigger than all the others in every culture. They have one big giant bust, one big bust out, uh, whatever it happens to be. There's one tribe, for example, in some island out in the, in the Dutch Guiana group. When they have their big bust out, they all gather and they kill everything. They just hit everything for miles around, and they all stand around and yell and holler, and then after they get through killing it, they eat it. Whatever it is they've killed, they eat, and then they all go home staggering. Uh, you know, they're fat. And, of course, the thing that you got to understand is that all the rest of the year they don't eat at all. They're in the middle of a famine all the time. They have a perpetual one there. So the bust-out comes once a year. Well, now, we have a, a love bust-out once a year. You close the door there. I can hear him yelling and holler. Ted's entertaining the whole crowd. So uh, we have uh, we have a uh, uh, once a year big love bust out, and uh, our our uh, our famine, of course, is uh, is hardly anybody cares about anybody most of the year. Just like those in those tribes out there in the Pacific, they don't eat much during the year. So once a year they eat. Well, hardly anybody cares about anybody else most of the year, really. I mean, we do a lot of talking, but then then comes the big love bust out, and we have this fantastic thing, which is a great thing. But uh, it takes some interesting forms. For example, I, I have a slight buzzing in my ears now at this point because I subjected to my, myself to roughly nine hours of listening to serious FM station Christmas programming. And there are very few things more ponderous, more or less joyous <laughs> I mean, uh, than, than the joyous programming of the serious FM stations regarding this, the most joyous uh, occasion of Christendom. Uh, it's a, kind of an interesting thing to hear some of it. Uh, I, I, one one station, for example, seems to confuse Christmas with, uh, I'd say, roughly the 17th century of English history. Uh, somehow they confuse Christmas with guys playing recorders. And uh, you never heard more recorder playing in your life. And bad recorder, that's so, so, nothing is more depressing than tall, thin, Bennington blonde girls who have somehow wrangled the recording contract and are now blowing for some company called uh, Recorder Archives, something of that nature, you know, and they blow away on little-known pieces of music from the 17th century, and they all pop up at Christmas time, and you can see why they're little-known. Uh, they were bad when they were written, and they're bad today, which I, I, I like to say that man has, a, has an ability to sift the dross from the gold. But this never occurs, the FM stations. And then, of course, there's always the, the half-hour or sometimes the 17-hour program, which comes on by special tape from the BBC. And it features a distinguished British actor. And, and uh, he is doing selected readings from Christmas literature of the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries. And so, little children, I am about to tell you the story of the Christmas elf. The Christmas elf one day was walking through the green sward, and he came upon a little girl, a little girl who had not been too good. <laughs> oh, uh, and you wonder who's listening to this? Certainly not the kids. They're all sitting there buried in, in Playboy or Mad Magazine, and Mama and Papa are, are flaked out. One is, one is sculled out on the daybed, and the other is trying to figure some way to get out and get down to the office. <laughs> just to get out, and 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 this the FM set the FM set is going. And so the little girl returned to her home and said, "Mother, I am 
going to tell you that tonight we are going to be visited by the Christmas elf. The Christmas elf, which is the spirit. Oh, boy. Nothing is worse than, a, than, a, than an English actor making an LP to be sold at Christmas time to serious kids by serious mothers and fathers who are Anglophiles from way back. One having gone to a well-known uh, English-oriented uh, ladies' school near Boston and the other having been kicked out of Harvard at the end of the third year. And so naturally they're British of the core. And uh, they they maintain that the recorder was the only. But then of course you can you can go on and on about this thing. I, I heard uh, I heard uh, one guy all night long. Uh, I turned on an FM station and all night long this guy was trying to get people to call him up. And there was a note of hysteria in his voice. This is this is a this is another kind of record of radio show which. Uh, <laughs> it passes for entertainment. And he he does things like this. You know. I want you folks out there to know that this program is for you. And uh, I, I'd like to say that we just had a wonderful conversation with Jim out in Staten Island who says that they've decorated the tree there and uh, the kiddies are all in bed. And uh, we had a, a, a phone call from Gwen in Babylon. And Gwen said to say, Merry Christmas to all, and she's a regular listener. And blah, 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 this goes on and on. And you wonder, wonder who these, these cheeseheads are that are listening to other guys <laughs> making telephone calls and talking about other guys' telephone calls to somebody they don't know. But it goes on and on and on. And in the between time, to show that the true spirit of Christmas is there, he is playing famous old Christmas melodies by Billy Daniels, uh, famous old Socko Christmas songs by Eddie Fisher, and various other uh, Christmas images of our world. So uh, <laughs> it's it's funny, you know. There's a there's a great deal of difference between the Christmas Carol and the Christmas song, as turned out by the boys in the Brill Building. Uh, you know, it's a, a great deal. Although the 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 tendency today has been to meld the two, because when you write a Christmas song in the Brill Building, you get a lot of sleigh bells behind. It doesn't make any difference who's yelling it out. Paul Anka or Fabian, I think it's you get the you get the bells going to uh, rock and roll sounds, you know. And you Christmas time, Christmas time, Christmas all the way, ding ding, and it goes. It has nothing whatsoever to do, even remotely, with Christmas or or uh, anything. I, I've often wondered what uh, who was it, uh, Gregory. Yes, uh, oh, the Gregorian chants. So you want me to go into the to a long involved discussion of the. Uh, of the Gregory of the Gregorian chants here tonight. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I've got something here. Uh, I, I suppose this will be the only program done of this kind uh, this this time because the, I've noticed that whenever whenever Christmas time comes up comes around, there is a general looking toward Europe on the part of most of the radio stations. And in fact, I'm uh, in the record shops and so on. By looking towards Europe, I mean this. We looked to Charles Dickens for Christmas. He was not an American. I, I hate to tell you this, but Mr. Dickens was English to the core. And uh, we either that or we, we often will look to uh, Italy. Uh, Italy seems to be a sort of uh, center of Christmas. Uh, France, oh, we have all kinds of French things in Christmas. The expression Noel and one thing and another. And uh, and most of the radio stations and TV stations that are seriously doing something about Christmas 
will spend hours playing German Christmas songs. I heard uh, hour after hour last night of, of tall, heavy-set ladies singing uh, German songs, uh, Christmas songs. You know, they have a certain quality about them which uh, is very special and uh, really isn't part of the American Christmas scene. And I heard very little discussion of American Christmases, of really American Christmases on a serious plane, except uh, maybe the John Gambling kind. Uh, make sure to have a lot of things for the kids and uh, just have a good time, drive carefully. That seems to be the most important Christmas greeting that people give on the radio, that sort of thing. But not much discussion of uh, the American Christmas. Has, have you ever thought about, you know, when you see all these Western movies, have you ever thought of what Christmas was like in the West, in the frontier days? You know, they had Christmas then, too. And, and more so than we have, actually. Uh, because they were far more religious people, by and large, than we are today. By religious, I mean they, they really were orthodox religious people. And uh, have you ever thought much about Christmas uh, in, uh, in the West, uh, say in the 1860s, 1840s, 50s, in that period? Well, it was a pretty interesting phenomenon, as a matter of fact, and there are certain accounts of it left around, uh, which, would, which should be brought out on Christmas time. We should, we should, we should read these things and, and talk about what they did in Christmas, in Christmas past, uh, in America. Do you know much about, say, Christmas in a place like uh, Wisconsin? Well, there's one thing they do uh, in, in these little towns out in the Midwest and even during places in places in the South. I don't know whether it extends much to the East. I haven't seen much of it here in the East, although uh, there is some evidence of it. Uh, in the Midwest, one of the big things for Christmas is the decoration of the town itself. Now, that by that I don't mean... Some uh, merchant puts a big display in his window. Uh, somebody puts a big thing out, like the big cross, the big lights uh, up here on the Pan Am building. I'm talking about the town itself. It has a big operation, generally. And I can remember coming home from Christmas, for Christmas. Uh, oh, this has been uh, right after the war. I was driving from Cincinnati to Chicago. Now, driving from Cincinnati to Chicago, you drive through some of the most lush farm country in America. These gigantic Indiana farms and these, these huge southern, southern Ohio farms. And this is really beautiful farm country, but as flat as a board. It's just absolutely so flat that you can sometimes see when you're, when you're coming out of Lafayette, Indiana, for example, which is maybe 75, 80 miles south of Chicago, you can see the lights of Chicago in the distance just hanging up in the sky there. That, that's how flat that country is there. There's very little, very little uh, rolling hills there. Well, I can remember driving home because uh, radio stations, as you know, don't, don't turn off on Christmas. They don't turn off on any holiday. Uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, radio stations are rarely dead. Speaking of dead radio, this is WOR-AM at FM, New York. Ed, you look so sad. Of course, Ed, you know that's not an editorial. It's just a, see, I can't help but if there's if there's a, a stream of consciousness here going on and Freudian association, you know, I, it's not, it, it just came up at the station break time. It's not. I don't have to, you can't log that now. Nothing to do with that. But nevertheless, I can remember one night driving home uh, from. Uh, it was a funny scene. It was a, it was a very odd scene. I, I had finished my radio show. 
And the one thing you know when you're on during a holiday is that there aren't like ten people listening. Just forget it, you know. Nobody's listening at all. Uh, and now I know that I'm talking to two guys in the control room, at least one. The other one is not here at all, except in body. Uh, <laughs> the guy out at the transmitter has been flaked out since 8 o'clock. He's just sitting there next to the fan there. And that's about, he's got a TV set going on, and it ain't channel whoopee either. That's the thing about it. The, the telephone operator here at the station has been watching television since the fall of 1951. And uh, she's been watching the same channel. It ain't nine, in case you're interested. She doesn't know what channel it is, but she, that's the only channel her set gets. And that lady does not even know she's in the radio business. And a matter, <laughs> matter of fact, once in a while when the phone rings and they say, I'm a listener, she says, what? She says, I'm a listener. Listener to what? She says, the radio station. And our telephone operator says, oh, well, all right. Uh, what do you want me to do about it? She says, well, I'm listening to you. She says, no, you're not. And that's the end of that. She cuts them off. Another nut sits there. I think she thinks she's at the stock exchange, and it's, it's late 1929, but, which may be true. But nevertheless, uh, so, so a guy working in a radio show has a very, very radio station at this time of year, has a very difficult operation to, 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 uh, to bring himself up to the kind of tension that is required to maintain a, uh, a show, you know? It's like an actor. It's, it's, it's like an actor performing without, a, without an audience. You, know, you come out there and... Nobody's got the props, and you just sort of fool around. It's pretty hard to be Hamlet when there's nobody sitting out there in the seats. It really is. And especially when the stagehands are all sitting behind there playing bingo and picking their teeth. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and what's worse, when you look over to see if Polonius is around, Polonius is playing Pinochle with, uh, with Ophelia. So, you know, it's tough being Hamlet. But I'm driving home one night to Chicago from Cincinnati, and boy, was it, was it dark. It was really dark. I had finished my show, which was about 1 o'clock in the morning, quarter to 2, and I go out and I get in my car, and I said, well, I'm going to go home for Christmas. I had to be back the next day for the next show. You see, well, I'm going to go home for Christmas. Well, that's about 350 miles from Cincinnati to Chicago, and it's through some of the darkest country this side of the Mojave Desert. I could tell you that. So I get into the car, and I whistle out of Cincinnati, and immediately, as soon as I get past Cleves, Ohio, it gets black. I mean, black is the inside of your pocket. It's really pitch black, and my Ford is boring into the darkness, and I'm whistling along. And, and I got the radio on, and I begin to pick up right away. As soon as I got out of Cincinnati, I pick up a guy who is broadcasting from Chicago. And it is Christmas night, and he is completely, you can just hear him, he is just going along. He's like just coasting. He's got maybe maybe one notch of his accelerator open there. He's just got a very lean mixture coming through the carburetor. And he's just coasting, and there, you, you could not... It, was, it would be impossible for me to tell you how much cool cynicism was coming through this guy. He was just sort of laying it out, and he was playing. He happened to be, have a music show, and he was playing only the stuff that he wanted to play. He didn't care about the audience tonight. He, he knew there wasn't any. And so he was belting this stuff out and making smart, rotten remarks between every <laughs> record. And he was going along there, having a great time. And I always remembered that guy because uh, I, I, I tracked him all the way into Chicago that night. Later on, he became a very famous guy and went on to become one of the biggest entertainers in the TV radio business. 
But at that night and that time, I'm sure he doesn't. Even, he he had he had 15 minutes of commercials that night, which he was doing for a dance studio in Chicago, and you 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 could not you could not imagine at three or four o'clock in the morning any more really cynical dance commercials than this guy was putting on Eddie. He, he, he would imply that if you came down to this place, you could find yourself dancing for the first time and probably the only time in your life with a female gorilla. If you've always wanted to dance with a gorilla, you can find one down there. And uh, not only that, if you are a gorilla, they don't care. You come down and you can dance with a pretty girl. For all of you rotten people, there's your chance. You know, he goes on. Well, it was great. I was whistling in on the beam there listening to this guy. And uh, it was Christmas Eve. It, or not Christmas Eve, it was Christmas night. Well, the point that I'm getting to, as I was coming through these little towns, it was a curious thing to see as you are, say you're going up 52 or 41, U.S. 41, which bisects Indiana, goes directly right up Indiana, right whistling into Chicago. As you go through these tiny towns, little towns like Otterbein and Jerusalem, you should go through Jerusalem, Indiana, at 3.30 on on Christmas night. That's an eerie experience. But uh, there's there's the big sign that says Jerusalem, Indiana. And you come whistling at Jerusalem, by the way, is the way it's pronounced out there. You start coming into Jerusalem, and there's a great big white and black sign. It says Jerusalem, the garden spot of Indiana. It says it kind of angrily. And then you pass another sign that says Kiwanis meets Wednesday nights at Five Fields Drugstore. Then you whistle on a little bit further. It says Burma Shave. There was a young man from Azizis whose ears were of two different sizes. One day he took his razor and whipped off his ear, and now he's using Burma Shave all the time. Whoopee. Well, you're driving along, then you're coming into a little town like, like Jerusalem or, or Versailles or one of those towns down in southern Indiana. And the first thing you see from about 40 miles out, Ed, is a Christmas tree glow in the sky. What they, because they leave the lights on all night there, you see, and the, and the town itself corks off about 9 o'clock. This is strictly nine o'clock country. I'm telling you, they 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 just don't see anything on any television channel past nine fifteen, and they just they sort of doze off and they're gone. There's nothing else to do in that town, you know. You just sleep. Well, about a half a mile out, you begin to see what it is, and hanging across the street, they have these low lines of red and green lights hanging across the street, you know, in arches from one street lamp to the other, right down the main street. And on top of every on top of every street light and on top of every telephone pole, there is a is a Christmas tree and usually some kind of a Santa Claus stuck up there. And these red and green lights and a few tinsel wreaths and this extends the entire length of the main street. That means well over a block and a half. And uh, and yeah, and as you come whistling into this sad little town, there's probably, uh, in many of those little towns, you'll come into these little places like, uh, and in the background, in, the, in, 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 in my mirror, I can see those funny red and green lights that they hang over these little towns. You know, uh, the, the whole thing about it is that these towns celebrate uh, Christmas in a very different way. They don't celebrate it primarily by buying. And I, I want to I read something. If I can find it here, uh, a great story. If I can find it now, I don't really know whether I had. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, I'm going to read you a George Aid story. 
No, that's not it. A George Yates story about Christmas in a little town. And George Ade, as you know, uh, was a fine... I, I met S.J. Perlman at a party the other night, and Ade is Perlman's favorite humorist. He says not only was he a superb humorist, but he was a magnificent writer. He could turn a phrase like nobody in American letters before or since. He could say... Now, if I could find this thing here. Let's see. Oh, shucks. Um... Mm -hmm. Let's see. The fable of the good fairy with the lorgnette and why she got it good. <laughs> Great names. Uh, let's see. Mm. I, I really want to read this to you because it's about Christmas time and how they celebrate it fable of the good people who rallied to the support of the church. The fable of the skittish widower. The fable of the canny commercial salesman. Let's see. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm just sorry that I can't find it here tonight. Um, any of you got your aid book out there? Your, you got your... Uh... Hmm. No, I can't find it. Um, uh, shucks. Uh, hmm. Nope. I'm just going to have to give it up because, uh, I'd have to find it because there's so many of them in here. And, um, it's a, it's a beautiful fable about shopping in a small town. Um, you want to take a look through this, Lee, if you'd like to? Uh, and then see if you can find it here. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the fable of the guy who saved up his money to buy the gift. You remember that fable? The one about the Santa Claus? They, they, so quick. Do it in here. Where are you going in there for? Do it in here. Hey, hey, just uh, so you can read it. But, uh, I can, I, I wonder just how much, uh, in the way of American Christmas we ever talk about here in this country. It's very little. Uh, very, very little. I, I remember uh, different towns and, and different ways they celebrated Christmas. I remember living in this, uh, as I say, in Indiana. Uh, when Christmas was celebrated, it was it was more of a uh, it was less of an English Christmas. As a matter of fact, the only the only relationship we ever had with foreign Christmases in those days by foreign Christmases, I'm talking about foreign uh, uh, oh. Uh, ideas, uh, foreign traditions, and so on, was that every Christmas Eve, I, I, I'll, I'll award you a brass figlicky if, if you can remember, Ed, who every Christmas Eve performed on the radio. It was a gigantic thing that they, all over the country, they listened to it. It was the one thing. All over the country, everybody listened to it. The one, there was one performer who performed Scrooge on the radio. This was listened to in every everybody everybody's home that I know of at the time. Uh, who was it? No, it's very it's very funny how how quickly those things are are completely forgotten. And yet in those days it was like it was a tradition that everybody just didn't miss. That was it. Everyone listened to this on Christmas Eve. 
Now, uh, I don't know what the parallel would be. I don't think there's anything like that on television. Not anything, any one thing that everybody watches. There is no unifying thing that everybody is involved in, say, in our mass media the way they used to be in this show. Ask him. See if he remembers. Who was it who did uh, Scrooge every Christmas Eve on the radio? Who? Yeah, that's right. Do you remember what a tradition that was? All by himself he did it. Uh, he was just magnificent at that. And and what was that? Yeah. And he uh, the, the program was always introduced by music that he himself had composed. Uh, he would compose this music and uh, and perform the almost the entire thing. And it was a, it was a long show. But I, if I remember rightly, it came on late at night, didn't it? It came on uh, maybe ten or eleven o'clock at night, and uh, it, it was a, it was a tradition. In fact, I believe that most of the time he did it live, and uh, and it was uh, it was like a real it was a, like like as if the whole nation went had one single thing that it did at once. It was like the whole nation had a, a party for uh, an hour and a half. The, the, uh, the good storytellers are very rare. There aren't many people who can genuinely tell a story, who can really get involved in telling a story, and who can create a whole world with uh, just a few words and with a, with a, with a, with a feeling and uh, with, with passion. And this man did it. He, he was just magnificent on that show. And he used to, he used to come on, and I remember uh, it, was, it was like nobody was on the streets. For those those hours, it was like an hour and a half, maybe ninety minutes, something like that. It was just, just everybody stopped. I'm surprised you don't remember it, Ed. It was a it was a tremendous thing, <laughs> and uh, he was he was magnificent. But uh, not only not only was it a tradition, but it became more than that. Really, in a sense, it became sort of a unifying factor. Now, I don't think we have anything nearly like that anymore. You know, I suspect that this country is dividing up into various countries as opposed to uh, the way uh, we always envision America. We always envision America as one big country. But uh, have you noticed that Congress, for example, is finding it more and more difficult to get along with the president? Well, there's one theory, you know, that's been put forth, that this is because of the growing regionalism. Now, that's not just the South. So everybody thinks of the South. Oh, no. The far west has all of its axes to grind. The middle west has its axes to grind. Certainly the east does. And the south. And, and very few people are grinding the axe of the United States. They're grinding their own axe. And if their own axe is well sharpened and the old pork barrel is filled, if their dams are being built, then they're ready to grind a few other axes like the axe of the United States. But the poor president, of course, these days has to has to battle tooth and nail. It seems that the only function that the Congress has is to complain, you know, to, to constantly buck and fight and refuse to have anything to do with the world, if at all possible. Well, in, in the days that I'm talking about, the country seemed to be less regional. Uh, in short, uh, a radio program would be listened to by people all over the country. There was no, there was no differentiation. Uh, no one... No one uh, said, well, this is a regional show. This will be only in this area. This will be only in that area, and so on. The, the whole point being that uh, that everyone did listen to, say, uh, Jack Benny. 
Uh, today, uh, if we're going to celebrate Christmas on, on television, I noticed that I was looking at some of the channel uh, ads, that they will celebrate it by playing a movie, uh, <laughs> their own movie usually. It's, uh, it's some kind of a movie. It's like a Christmas celebration movie. And usually it's some movie with Margaret O'Brien uh, that was made roughly in 1936, that kind of thing. And that's a, that's a great Christmas celebration. Or you'll play an old Edmund Gwen movie, Miracle on 34th Street, some ancient movie that wasn't very good even when it first came out. And so this, uh, this idea of a celebration of Christmas is always, today, uh, an operation that smacks just a little bit of the return of King Kong and other special films for those of you who enjoy bad films at low rates with a lot of commercials. Uh, it's, it's all part and parcel of a kind of, uh, yeah, I suppose you might say commercial. This kind of commercialization, by the way, of Christmas is rarely talked about. Uh, most people will talk about the department stores, they'll talk about this, uh, this outfit down there is a big promotion. But the commercialization of the special late night commemorative film program with uh, added inserts of added commercials and songs. Uh, just keep them loose. We'll be back. <laughs>